into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 What's going on, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. I uh, got some stuff to talk about after another week of spring training baseball. And, and, you know, if you're listening to this on a Thursday, which you probably are because we're recording late Wednesday night, there's only three weeks until Phillies baseball is back opening day on April 1st. It couldn't come soon enough, but, uh, you know, it, it feels like just yesterday that last season ended. So we're almost there. It's been a beautiful week. Weather-wise, so baseball is almost back. This week, I am joined by Phillies Nation intern Ben Silver. Um, you can follow him on on Twitter at at not inconsistent, if I'm correct. Yeah, a bit of a weird name, but uh, yes. I'll get it to Ben Silver eventually. Just gotta yeah. take some time, modify yeah. everything. But I'm glad to be on here. Um, I've been listening to a podcast for a while, obviously, as I've been the one editing it. But um, yes. Uh, Johnny wants to talk about the shortstops. Uh, John Heyman recently tweeted something out today. Um, so he, he was saying something about how teams are pretty likely, a uh, few teams, the Rangers, Giants, and Phillies are looking likely to uh, be big players for, I believe it was Lindor, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, and or Javi Baez. Yeah. So like, before we get into the Phillies, like generally, I mean, this is, if all five of these guys become free agents, which I really don't think is going to happen because um, I, I imagine I don't see a Lindor hitting free agency, but who knows? Um, like it would be the most legendary free agent class of all time, like on its own, I think. It easily beats 2018. And, and that's like, that's all of these guys are one position. Like they all play shortstop. So it de- definitely goes to show <laughs> how stacked that position is right now throughout mm-hmm. baseball. Um I mean, I mean, Ben. What are your thoughts? Like, do you think? Do you think Lindor? Do you think he's possibly a free agent? I I don't no. see it. But yeah, go ahead. Not not a chance in the world. I will say <laughs> that the one thing about all five of these guys is, if at least if even three of them hit free agency, it's going to deflate all of their values. I think in an individual class where it's you know guys in the outfield, pitchers, catchers, third baseman, you know, you get one of these guys will be making two hundred fifty million. So, something along those lines, but because all three of them are on the same class, you're going to have all the same teams battling for them. And, you know, I think you're going to see a range of maybe like 120 to 210 million, maybe for Seager are on that, you know, tiny little off chance that Lindor hits the free agent market. Yeah. I mean, will obviously command the highest price. Yeah. Lindor, Lindor is getting 300 million. I don't, I don't doubt that, especially mm-hmm. after obviously Fernando Tatis is different, but he's a shortstop that just got, paid 340 million dollars stupid um, contracts i mean it's, it's great i love it great for great for baseball um good for the padres yeah but yeah i don't know the thing is like the next off season, and, and this is just me like i don't i don't really know anything but i feel i just have a hunch that you know teams by the end of this season i feel like you know, attendance at, at games is going to be high and, and like you know fans will be allowed in the stands and and teams who were really hesitant to spend money, not that they'll they'll be, you know, spending quote unquote stupid money, but teams mm-hmm. I do think are gonna be a lot more willing to spend next offseason. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. There's the whole CBA thing. Like 
who knows if there's ever gonna even gonna be baseball next year because mm-hmm. obviously like that whole thing is yeah. i mean that's a, that's a whole another thing that we don't have to talk about right now yeah. but you know maybe these teams that have kind of stood pat uh the last year or, or, or year or two decide to go in i don't know you know who that might be or, or what that looks like obviously like like the rangers have been in or like quote unquote in on on like rendon and all these guys they haven't signed their guy yet um, I think Lynn is. Did they even sign Lynn to a multi-year deal or Lance Lynn? Was he traded? Yeah, yeah. They, that was three years, thirty million, but they traded him to the White Sox. This oh, they already traded him. Yeah. Off, so they, they haven't they haven't signed their big fish. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know how this it shakes out, but um, obviously the the thing that we want to talk about is that the Phillies were mentioned in that tweet. So mm-hmm. just like on the surface, high level, like, do you think the Phillies will be in on any of these guys? Um, so I think that a lot has to happen for the Phillies to be in on any of these guys. Most uh, importantly is the Phillies would have to move one of Segura or Gregorius because you already got Stott coming up. There's no reason to have Segura, Gregorius, Stott, and a fourth high-tier middle infielder. It just doesn't make sense to me. I think that, you know, Segura has one year left on his deal, as does Gregorius. So I, I, I can see it making sense. For the Phillies to trade Segura and then have Stott, you know, platoon with whoever's left over from that deal after they sign, you know, a Baez or a Story. Um, but I also am not even sure that they want to spend that much money because they already have so much money tied up in Harper, of course, and Real Muto and Wheeler. And, you know, they're going to have to pay Hoskins at some point. And I believe that they're paying Nola something like 10 or 12 million for the next few years. Yeah, um, around there. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, not entirely certain on what uh, what his exact salary is, but you already have so much money tied up at the top yeah. of your roster. I think you want to move it throughout the rest of the team a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Nola's contract, his extension was four years, forty eight million. So that's that's a twelve AAV, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at what's coming off the books next year, it's McCutcheon, like. Pretty much all the one-year deals they gave out this offseason. First of all, that's Miller, that's Bradley, um, Moore, mm-hmm. Anderson, um, of course, Vinny, of course, yeah, as well. Yeah, Velasquez, and get that dead if, money out of here. If, well, who knows if he's even going to be on the team? So don't season, don't let him fool you again, Johnny. Do not let him fool you. I'm again. not. Listen, I I've we all know what Vince Velasquez in. Again, this is another conversation for another time. He's a completely adequate your sixth starter if you need one. But mm-hmm. again, we don't have to debate that now. Never um, letting it fool me. So you have you have all that money coming off, and then you have McCutcheon, who mm-hmm. was about seventeen and a third AAV, if my math. Is. I believe he was nope, sixteen three, and two thirds. Sorry, I'm bad at math now. Apparently, forty eight or something like it that. It was three fifty. So it's it, yeah, it's all it's close enough. Um, and then Hector Neris is also coming off the books, and Odubel Herrera is coming off the books. So mm-hmm. I think when you look at all that, I think it's about um, as of right now they line up about fifty million under the under the tax next year. Uh, but that's also basically their entire bullpen <laughs> coming mm-hmm. off the books, yeah, so and you can't just like you can't just be like, all right, we can use that money elsewhere. Um, obviously, with the caveat being here, and this is something I feel like I've said on every podcast, maybe not, but like any argu- any any. Uh, discussion we have about like oh this is how they should allocate their money obviously we think they should spend they should blow over the luxury tax because like it takes money to win and they can afford yeah. to and, spend money but and we hey, are going, my money yeah we are well and and yeah 
it, again, it's a it's a whole nother debate. But given the assumption that they're not going to do that, uh, it, it, it becomes a matter of how they should spend the money. Um, so I don't know if it's as much as like, oh, they can't put 30 million into one guy for next year. I think like, honestly, like if you look at the state of this team and, and how old guys are and, and how long they're signed, like everyone's a free agent after 2023 or 2024 outside of, outside of Bryce Harper, obviously. Um, mm. So that's and Real after, Muto at this point. Right. Right. Real Muto's through 26, like six, I think 26. Yeah. Right. Um, not 25. No, 26. Uh, Math is but, hard. Yeah. Sometimes it is, but outside of those guys, like Hoskins and Nola, 2023, uh, mm-hmm. Wheeler's 24, I think. Eflin's 22. Next year is your last year of Eflin. I think they should extend him. Again, another discussion for another time. Uh, yeah. So I I think they should go all in on what they have right now because the farm system is not barren, but it's not deep by any measure. Uh, so they're pretty clearly a, a talented. They have a lot of talented guys, and not all of them are going to be here forever. So you might as well go in when they're all in the prime and healthy. So... If that means giving, you know, Trevor Story a $225 million contract, I think they should do it. Um, I just don't know, like, in terms of if it's something they'll do when you look at, like, in 2028, do you want to have $60 million in Bryce Harper and, you know, a 34-year-old shortstop? No, of course not. I mean, one of these shortstops, whoever you're going to sign – is going to eventually decline by the time they're 33, 34. And a lot of these guys, especially Baez and Story, their value comes as well from being a good hitter, but especially from being a good de- defensive shortstop. And while I imagine they'll still be solid in their mid to late 30s, I wouldn't rely on them to be a great defensive shortstop. You know, you might have to move one of them to third or to second. And Yeah, people forget that Hanley Ramirez was a shortstop. Like, and he was like, a great those dudes, those dudes don't always last there forever. No, he really? couldn't even play the field in like no. He, the, the Red Sox, yeah, the Red Sox like tried him in left field, and then they realized like, <laughs> oh my god, this guy can't like play balls off the monster. He can't catch a fly ball. It's it's it was embarrassing. I mean, they moved him to DH and he did just fine there, but it's like he wasn't a good hitter for a DH. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, people forget that in twenty. 20- I think it was 2019. I had this long Twitter thread about why I thought Hanley Ramirez was going to be the comeback player of the year <laughs> when Cleveland signed him, and he he like hit two home runs opening weekend. Um, and then he just left baseball. Here, but... What? Then he just left baseball. I remember he yeah. like got... well, he got he was like bad. <laughs> he got hurt, and um, then like yeah, there was so... like allegations of like drugs in his car or something like that. And I don't think yeah. it was even true, but. Then he yeah. was just gone forever. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't. I mean, he's he's old now and probably a mm. little bit. Uh, probably can't, you know, hang anymore. With probably can't swing a bat much <laughs> yeah. anymore. But. Yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah, I think, I don't think it wouldn't be a smart thing for the Phil. Like, I I think if if they see their guy and like, oh, I can we can add another superstar. Like, let's do it. They mm-hmm. should do it. Um, but. I don't know. Maybe it does come down to like, are they willing to dip into that luxury tax and still, even if they sign one of those guys, use other fun funds elsewhere, uh, which has yet to be seen. The Phillies have never gone into the luxury tax ever. Crazy to uh, think about. Yeah. 
What, yeah, it is. I mean, like, especially is. when you think of the was the luxury tax around back uh, during the Phillies run in 07 to eleven? Yeah, I think it started in like the early early two thousands. Um, okay, but also, but also, if you look at that team, none of those guys were even yeah, in, were... other than other than Rollins. Like, I think Utley and Howard were either Arb or pre Arb. Yeah, um, and uh, Howard, of course, was had that got got that big deal in twenty ten, but yeah, that like didn't yeah. start to matter until twenty thirteen or so. Right. Um, right. But about those shortstops, I think the only way it really makes sense for them to sign someone is if one of those guys like Correa or Baez, who had a bad year this year, has another bad year next year, and you can just sign them to a really high AAV short term deal, like where they it's just a prove it deal where you sign say Javi Baez to two years. 60 million or something ridiculous two years 50 million something ridiculous yeah. like that and you see what you can get out of him while the window is still open yeah yeah i mean i i'm gonna like i'm not gonna push back at all there i just think like they i i think even if it's like i don't think there's any scenario in which it's really not I guess uh, I'm, I'm pro sign a player that's good and just you know deal with whatever happens later. But also what they can't do, and this kind of this kind of goes along with your point, they can't do what they did with Bryce Harper and say, all right, we want to get the AAV as low as possible, even if that means adding those three extra years. Uh, they 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 shouldn't do that again because those last yeah. three years are going to be brutal. So they can't they can't be like, all right, we can get you for, uh, you know. Uh, let's say Trevor's story, we can get you for seven years, 220, but what if we did, what if we instead do 10 years, 240? Mm-hmm. Like, go with the seven years. Um, before you we move have, on, because, go ahead. You already have three players that are going to need to DH between, you know, both <laughs> yeah. Haskins and Harper. It's like, oh, why not add a fourth DH? It'll be like 2018 all over again where we had... Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you'll assume you'll assume that those guys are, are athletic, I feel like, to play. Yeah, of, of course. I mean, I, like, <laughs> we already talked about it. You can him. never be too careful. Yeah, that's true. Um, before we move on, who out of those guys, let's assume Lindor is extended, uh, mm-hmm. who out of those guys would you most likely the Phillies to sign? Um, story, just because I think the uh, the Coors effect is going to do a lot to lower his cost. Um, people forget that he's an elite defender. I mean, when you think yeah. of the great shortstops, around, great defensive shortstops, in baseball right now, people generally jump to Javi Baez. But I think Story and Baez have similar defensive runs saved throughout their career. It's somewhere in the mid to high 40s. And Story's OPS Plus, of course, which uh, neutralizes park factors and neutralizes cores, says he's about the same offensively as Baez. And I think he's going to be a little bit cheaper because people... Baez is a little bit more flashy, and Story has the cores effect. And he's really fast, too. People forget that. And Last of all, I just think he'd look good in a Phillies uniform. Yeah. Um, I Before I say, I don't know if I, I would have a preference. I'm just going to, because I know Ty Dobbert has his uh, opinion, and he, he thinks it should be Correa, um, which I think feels about right. Like, <laughs> you know, this guy who's kind of taken a lot of heat the last couple of years. Um, It'll lower his salary, too, for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, and then I don't I don't know how much at this point the Coors effect uh is going to impact salaries like i think we know enough now to know that it's not it's not as significant as uh we might have thought before if you look at it's weird uh and this is i know we're off on a tangent a little bit here but like if you look at um guys who play at cores if you look at when they leave their home splits go get worse but their away split their road splits almost always get better um 
I forget the exact reason why, but uh, pretty much what we've learned is that like the core spec, it matters, but it doesn't matter a ton. I still think Trevor Story is gonna gonna get paid a lot, um, but all all of these guys have like those little little things kind of taking away. Uh, Baez was not that good last year, if I remember correctly. Uh, Seager has been hurt in the past. Yeah. You know, you have Story with the core stuff, Correa with the cheating, and then Lindor is a Met. He's gonna be a Met, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun. Uh, I know people say that the 2018 offseason was brutal. It was fun. That was awesome. Let's track John Middleton's jet again. Because mm-hmm. it's fun. I, I think in 2018, <laughs> I spent more time on Twitter than I did not on not Twitter. On Twitter. I, yeah. I eat, sleep, and breathe using Twitter, just refreshing over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, but also about Baez. I believe his OPS last year was somehow below 600. So, it happens. Um, yeah, and yeah. Correa's was like 7.709. Yeah. Yeah. So if either of those guys have another bad year, you could see the price could drop. Buy low, yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to uh, move on. Um, you know, last week, Destiny and I didn't really talk a lot about spring training, like the actual action. So mm-hmm. today, we're just going to get into today's game a little bit because it was televised. Um, I wasn't able to catch the whole thing, but Ben was. So... We're going to talk through some of the guys that pitched because they're all like, we don't know exactly where any of them will be um, come opening day. So let's get into it. All right, Ben, tell me what you thought about Spencer Howard today. Spencer Howard looked great. Um, He did give up two runs in two innings, which doesn't look great on a box score, but he's still throwing hard from last week. Um, I believe, I forget who it was that mentioned he was hitting 97 in a, a simulated game. But he was still hitting 97 again today, uh, sitting pretty from about the 95 to, I want to say, 97 or 98 range. Um, My one issue is that he was leaving his pitches up just a little bit too much, which is what happened on the home run. But you got to remember, oh, God, what's it called now? Bright House Field, Spectrum Field, Baker Ballpark. Baker Ballpark (laughs) is technically a minor league stadium, so it's a little bit smaller. And the home run didn't really get out too fast. Yeah, I mean – also, also the wind was blowing out. Um, yeah, the wind was blowing out. It was yeah. softly hit. Um, and I, stuff like that doesn't worry me. You, you fix that later in spring training. But his, his fastball had a lot of cut movement today with that extra velocity. Um, he was locating the changeup, which I love. You know, The changeup, I, I believe, is his third pitch after the breaking ball, which he wasn't throwing a lot. And he was struggling with his command on it a bit, but he was relying on the changeup and fastball today. Um, and he had three strikeouts with a change again. I can't say it enough. The change, the change looked great. He looked confident. And most importantly, he didn't give up a single ball hit harder than 95 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah and that, that home run, uh, like I said, I don't, did I already say this, that the wind was blown out? Like, Yeah, the wind was blown happens. out, yeah. It happens. Um, Cheap home run. Yeah, and we'll get into this later uh, when we talk a little bit about the roster crunch. I'm just, I, I'm really curious to see where he ends up. But it is, it is definitely uh, encouraging, I think, for the Phillies that he is throwing hard because he came up last year and he was throwing 93, 94, touching 95, and that's yeah, and, uh, not what we've seen. And he um, get like through the lineup once, and then his velocity yeah. would drop to like 91, 90. Right. right, and he was also hurt. We don't know how long he was, you know, really hurt. Who knows? Uh, so. Uh, I don't want to talk about all the the um, you know the vets that that pitched today because we kind of know what we're getting or, or the Phillies know what they're getting from from Tony Watson and, and Hector Rondon and and Brandon Kinsler. Um, 
But from from Chase Anderson, because, you know, there are basically four guys who are going to fit into two spots in the rotation. Um, that includes Howard. What, what did you think about Anderson today? Um, I thought he was good. Not as good as Howard. Um, some mild command issues, especially with breaking balls. Um, but, you know, his pitches still look good. It's early in spring training. His fast com- ball command was solid. Um, he likes pitching down in the zone, which I think makes a lot of sense because it suits his slower velocity, which he throws about 91 to 93, but he didn't give up any runs, and I believe he only gave up one or two hard hits over two innings, um, both of which may have been outs. I'm not entirely certain, but he looked solid enough, and I think it's it's a good it's a good outing to build on. Not what I want to see come the season, but it's it's solid for spring training. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think he kind of is what he is. I know he had a brutal brutal season last season, but uh, if I were to bet, I think he's in the rotation. Um, they wouldn't have paid him three million dollars. I don't think. I don't. I mean, who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into that again later. And then the last guy I want to talk about from today is Brian Mitchell. Uh, mm-hmm. non-roster invitee who I think has looked very good in in the spring so far and yeah uh, people have been talking about him so so what did you think of him today I frankly I didn't notice him for a while because <laughs> once you get into the eighth and ninth inning of games which is where he normally pitches I I'm generally a little bit zoned out but I really tried to focus on him today because of course like you said uh, there's been a lot of talk around Brian Mitchell and his breaking ball can I say looks nasty yeah. He's got this 12 to 6 hook curveball. It it's just looks impossible to hit. He's got easy movement on his fastball which just flutters through the zone. He throws and he throws a lot of strikes. The only issue is that he's got some minor command problems um mostly with the fastball, but you no, know, he settled down. He had like two or three balls which are I don't know, I'd say weren't great pitches. But he looks like, you know, when you are struggling in April, if a reliever gets injured, if, you know, someone's just not playing well, he'd be a really good guy to bring up uh, from AAA or the taxi squad. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I agree there. And and so kind of what this conversation lends itself to is, is the roster crunch that the Phillies are, are facing? And it's not something they've really faced I, I don't think in a while, you know, where they have, I wouldn't say too many good players, but they have a lot of guys who could help the team in 2021 who aren't on the 40-man roster. Um, and and that's, that starts with Kinsler and Rondon and, and Watson. And uh, let's let's start, I guess, with, with what we think the bullpen is going to look like. Um, and this is something uh, that's been talked about on the pod before, so I, I don't want to delve in it, into it uh, too deep. Um, I think we know that Hector Neris, Archie Bradley, Jose Alvarado, and Connor Brogdon, I would say, are all locks. I would mm. also say that Watson and Kinsler, Kinsler, sorry, I feel like they're probably making the team um, as close as you can come to a lock. Yeah, without yeah. being, even though even though they're not on the roster, uh, mm. but th- they feel pretty likely. So I mean, we're looking at six guys. So then it's do you do you use the two of of Anderson and Howard? Velasquez and more that don't make the the rotation which by the way I think it's gonna be Anderson and more that's kind of how mm-hmm. it's felt yeah um, all the beat writers seem to be saying that it's Anderson and more that's kind of the the tone you get from the Phillies brass and Joe Girardi as well yeah so I mean we'll, we'll wait and see but I, I 
it's I'd say it's also as close to a lot because you can get for more and Anderson making the rotation. Yeah. So so beyond there, uh, you know, it was it was interesting. Matt Gelb of the Athletic he had, he released a uh, twenty six man projection opening day roster. He had Ramon Rosso as the eighth guy in the bullpen. Um, mm-hmm. I could definitely see it. I don't know if I see that happening without a Vince Velasquez trade because I don't see Vince Velasquez getting sent down um, to start the season. Of course, what do I know? Um, yeah, there's just, too much money locked up in him. I mean, even beyond the money, like, I think they, they probably trust him more than Ramon Rosso. I know, obviously, we can we can go on about Velasquez, but I think they probably trust him more than Rosso, and that's nothing against Rosso, but... Uh, maybe a Velasquez trade does make sense. It opens a, a, a forty-man spot, obviously. Um, and then Spencer Howard, like does Spencer Howard make the bullpen? We just talked about him, uh, or do they just keep him in extended, uh, let him keep stretching out and, and not, you know, waste his innings early, and then maybe he breaks the rotation later? I think that's something to keep an eye on. So, I, I mean, if you were to guess today, who do you think those last two guys in the rotate or in the in the bullpen will be opening day? So my my first, if I just had to guess on what's most likely, I'd say it's Velasquez and Howard. But I don't think there are locks or even, say, 50% chances by any stretch of the imagination. Um, obviously, there's Jojo Romero, who's kind of been a cult hero for what he did with that Red Bull can last year. Yeah. Um, there's also Sam Coonrod, who is Throw forgetting hard. his hard. personal character. Yeah, he's been downright nasty. He, it's like he can hit 102. Um, his traditional stats aren't too great, especially last year. I think his ERA was over 9. But if you look at his expected ERA, I think it was like 3.9. He just got really, really unlucky. And you also have guys like David Hale and Ranger Suarez who performed for the Phillies in 2019. Brian Mitchell, who has looked great. And Ramon Rosso, who uh, was just dominant in, I want to say it was the Dominican Winter League. His fastball just flutters when when he throws it. And we could see him be good in the future, but I don't think he'll be starting the season with the team. Yeah, I mean, even even uh, this definitely just goes to show kind of the, the bullpen depth that the Phillies have now. Um, not that they'll be a top bullpen by any stretch, but they have all these guys, and they have even J.D. Hammer and and uh, Eniel De Los Santos have looked a lot better um, mm-hmm. this spring than, than in the past. Their, their velocities, both of them, uh, are up. I don't know, like, maybe, maybe there's a slight chance that they go, you know, Romero over Watson and just save that $2 million and, and decide to put it elsewhere because Romero already has the 40-man spot. Um, I don't know. Coonrod has a 40-man. Basically, you know, the, the only guys that don't have spots in the 40-man are, are Watson, Kinsler, and Rondon. And I think we all kind of expect two of them to make, make the team, but maybe yeah. uh, they take it another direction. I don't think it's going to be Rondon. Who looked awful yeah, today? By yeah, yeah. I don't think it's gonna be Rondon. Couldn't hit his spots. Yeah. Gave up hard hit after hard hit after hard hit, and yeah. his fastball is just flat. Yeah, um, agreed. So, I guess like assuming it's it's uh, Kinsler and Watson, and then probably uh, we're not gonna dive into this too deep because. Destiny and I talked about Odubel Herrera on a, on a previous podcast, but it does look like he is is in front uh, of that competition, especially with Adam Hazley uh, getting hurt last week, and, and he'll be out for a few weeks. So it, it does, you know, Matt Gelb and Todd Zalecki both within the last day have, have said that he's the front runner. So that that requires you uh, opening a 40-man spot, and then Watson and Kinsler, that, those are two more 40-man spots. So 
where you go from there, where the Phillies go from there. Um, ben, do you want to talk a little bit about the the guys who you think are most likely to be removed from the forty man? And this is I like isolated from maybe Roman Quinn is is traded or designated for assignment, or maybe even Slashes is traded. Um, but like, w- which guys do you think can be just outrighted from the forty man? So I think the first one is Bailey Falter, who I believe was added to the forty man to protect from the Rule Five draft. Rule Five, yep. Don't know why he was because. <laughs> I, I would imagine he's going to be the first guy um, outrighted from the 40-man. Um, he's a, I want to say, the Phillies' fifth-round pick in 2015. And, you know, he's had some solid minor league success, but he hasn't been anything. I wouldn't even consider him good to great. Yeah, um, I mean, they sort of the, there. Yeah, they, they talked about his, his velocity taking a big jump last last season. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, they weren't, uh, not, there wasn't a minor league season, but. We don't have the stat. That, I guess I guess that's the interesting thing is we don't really know what these a lot of these players look like um, mm-hmm. because we didn't see them last year and the Phillies maybe did maybe they were at the alternate site or, or, or whatever but but we don't know um, how a lot of these guys progressed um, so but, but but yeah I mean Falter Mauricio Rivera I know uh, he actually had a little cup of coffee in the majors last year and, and um, I see you have him. As another guy, uh, if you want to talk about him a little bit, yeah, um, yeah, he he had the cup of coffee, pitched one inning, gave up I think like three runs, maybe even four. Um, did not look very good in his one appearance. Obviously, we don't know what he did in the taxi squad, and if he did well enough in the taxi squad to get sent up, then maybe the Phillies see something in him. But his prior minor league performance is just unfortunate for him I, I don't think he really stands out above the rest I think you know his ceiling is you know if he played for 10 years you know maybe one of those years he'd throw 70 innings and have a 3.5 ERA I don't think there's any real need to keep him around um, you know the, there's other guys but I, I don't think Yovera is anything special that the Phillies should worry about cutting yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think Yovera is probably the first guy I think is out, and and he did like flash some stuff as a prospect, as a potential starter, but um, you know, maybe he hasn't progressed the way they they like. I I honestly think the most likely thing, um, and, and there are a couple other names uh, we don't have to go into, like Kyle Dowie and, and Simon Muzio Adi, and uh, a, a couple other guys, but I I think we could definitely see some trades. Um, you know, even if it's Vince Velasquez for a player to be named later, uh, which accomplishes two things. It saves the Phillies $4 million if uh, they want to, you know, use that money at the deadline um, and then um, opens up a 40-man spot. Uh, it, it does, yeah, again, like I said, it does look like it'll be at least three spots, maybe a fourth if if Real Muto doesn't, if he's not ready for opening day, they have to add, add Jeff. Jeff Mathis, and and that's mm-hmm. another spot they have to worry about opening up. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, but again, it's 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 very different from what we've seen in the past. Like <laughs> these are all like you know these guys that they're opening up spots for are good players. Like like I mean I'm talking about Kinsler and 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 Watson and and you know they're not you know cutting scrubs. I guess like it's a good roster and. Um, yeah, I, I guess I don't have anything else to say about it. It's just uh, a roster crunch we haven't seen in a while. Um, 
So the last thing I wanted to touch on is that Mickey Moniak has looked really good in limited plate appearances. I think he has 10 at-bats, at least 5 or 10, a couple home runs, triple. Um, do you think <laughs> that there's any shot that he's the opening day center fielder? I would love to see him as the opening day center fielder. I don't have his OPS after today's game, but before his today's game, obviously in very limited plate appearances, he had a 2.111 OPS yeah, this hey, morning. Hey, listen, sample size, schmample size, schmize is what, Who, <laughs> that's what I've always said. Ta- ta- let's talk about his exit velo. From most recent to least recent, he had, including today's at bat, he had an 87 mile an hour exit velocity, 101, 106.7, 54, which, forget about the 54 for a second, 103.3, 93.2, 92.8, 103.3 exit velocities yeah. on the eight times he's made contact in 10 at-bats, 10 plate appearances, sorry, this week. Yeah, so I, I remember hearing last year from the alternate site that he looked better in terms of, um, you know, seeing the ball and taking walks, um, and obviously he, had, he also had a little cup of coffee and didn't look great and i remember he he even didn't look great in the field but you know it's it's sometimes that's just how it goes with rookies you know if you look at his track record he's gonna be at least an average defensive center fielder which don't underestimate the value of having an average defensive center fielder Wait, um, because, that, that exists i'm yeah, sorry i mean looking at who, who listen, was the last the, average defensive phillies, center listen <laughs> the phillies have ben not Revere? been well i don't know well, yeah okay couldn't, ben, couldn't listen ben revere ben revere made a couple of great plays but ben revere didn't get any good jumps and ben revere yeah. also it took about from the time he released the ball from the time it got into the cutoff man was about 25 seconds if i remember correctly um, so, something along that. You, you i mean you had the stopwatch out i imagine because it took yeah some are yeah. some are saying that peter borges is probably the best defensive center fielder the phillies has ever had did he even play center field uh, i thought he played he might the, not have he definitely didn't i think he, uh, I think he might have been past his center field prime uh, yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, the but, Phillies again having an uh, average defensive center fielder is is yeah important. And you know, if Moniak, if his approach is changing, and and Todd Zalecki and MLB.com had a nice piece about him this morning about how he's he's bulked up, and you know, this is his, I think it's his third or fourth camp, like kind of big league camp, maybe third. Um, and you know, he's just he's feeling good, and and again, such a tiny sample size, it's. It's not meaningless, but it's it doesn't mean much. But it, you know, who knows? There's still you know, two and a half more weeks of spring training, mm-hmm. so who knows what what he shows and and if he um, if he breaks out. And and so like he mentioned, like Mickey Moniak isn't making the Phillies to sit on the bench. Like if he makes the team, he's the opening day center fielder. And I I, I do think that would be an interesting storyline to keep track of. Um, but yeah, that will actually do it for this episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. Thanks again, Ben, uh, for yeah, coming on. Do you have any 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 last thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, two really quick things. Yeah, go for um, it. You, men- you mentioned, uh, you know, defensive center fielders. Can I just say, every instinct that Roman Quinn has in center field is, is wrong. His first step is always in the wrong direction. He can't play balls off the wall. He, he's like George Costanza in that one episode of Seinfeld. He needs to do the opposite of everything that's told him, <laughs> and maybe he can succeed. Well, the thing uh, about the thing about Roman Quinn is because I feel like I've had this debate with people a lot. Like, who's a better defensive center fielder, Roman Quinn or Adam Hazley? Hazley has, has better instincts, but when you're talking about tracking tracking down the ball, like Hazley's pretty slow, and mm-hmm. he is probably below average center fielder. 
Quinn, on the other hand, is like probably one of the three fastest guys in baseball. But like you said, he he always jumps the wrong way and, and makes poor decisions. We saw that in that game against the Orioles last year. Mm. Uh, what a fun time. Yeah, and, I will always take someone who has better instincts over someone who's faster. Oh, absolutely. But I, I, I think my point is really that neither of them are going to help you in center. Yeah, none field. of them are going to stick there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you said you had one, one more point. So. Um, yeah, lastly, uh, now that you know we get Phillies games back on TV, we're seeing a lot of commercials again. Can I just say I, I hate I hate Gus the Groundhog. Don't get me – don't – Get me started. I just can't listen to the voice, and, and oh I my apologize God. if you. Are I, the I mute my TV every time. Yeah, if you are oh. the the voice actor who plays Gus the Groundhog, I, I really do apologize, but I I Leave can't. I can't I, no, stop that. Just I just can't. I can't listen to that <laughs> commercial. Um, but you know, gotta gotta do what you gotta do. Um, all right. On that note, yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Philly Edition podcast. Um, again, three weeks till opening day. Baseball is back, and it's 65 degrees outside, and everything is great. So until next week.